Summer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, first off, for coming on because podcasts and talking and being open about any subject is sometimes hard for people. So sometimes I feel like I'm pulling people's legs and arms and dragging them into the room to get them to talk to me. But you were actually very willing and open to just come on in. So that being said, I got to say thank you because I didn't have to drag you in here and be like, come talk to me now. All I said is, would you like to talk? And you were like, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Worried. Um, So the reason I have you on this show is I love conversing with interesting people and I find you to be highly interesting um, because you are in the same uh, realm as me when it comes to one of our many hobbies and we are both photographers. Yes. Um, And I usually hate photographers. I think I've told you this before in the past. Yes. I don't get along with a lot of photographers. I have three photography friends that live locally here and a few abroad that are awesome, amazing people. And I always think the best photographers are the most humbled photographers. And you seem to be very humble with your work. Your work is amazing, by the way, because Summer, if you don't know, um, she has an Instagram, a Vero, and a Facebook as well. Yes. What is your, your Instagram is Summer's... Summer's Edge Photography. Edge Photography, that's right. You can get on and check out her stuff. Amazing landscapes, nature, uh, wildlife, all of that stuff. And um, that's kind of a lot of what I'm interested in as well. And so I have photography friends. But again, like I said, I don't get along with a lot of photographers because a lot of them can be total... Totally full of themselves, to be to put it in a nice way. Very pretentious. Yes, but with you, I never got that feeling, and I, I've only known you for about six months or so, I think, yeah. through the Instagram. But realistically, I've only been talking to you for about like the past month, yes. month and a half, somewhere yeah. around there. We kind of connected, and we're like, "Hey, I like your stuff." You kind of liked my stuff and you were like, let's go hit some areas up. So we did. And at first I was like, oh shit, man, is this girl going to be like super like uh, just full of yourself, which you weren't, which I really appreciated. And I appreciate when I find like-minded individuals like me who can do photography in a way and an expression without chasing fame. Mm -hmm. Like I love when images get popular but I don't know. You can tell the photographers that are like, look at my stuff. It's so amazing. Versus the photographers are very humble about their work. Yep. Which um, you are my friend Caroline. Well, our mutual friend Caroline is. Uh, one of our mutual friends Riley is. I have a friend named Tracy up in Canada who does amazing bird and um, abandoned stuff up there. And she pisses me off so bad because her stuff is so good. And she's like, it sucks, Marcus. I'm like, what are you talking about? Those are the best ones, though, that are always like hard on themselves. Right. And that that's how I am. Mm-hmm. You're kind of that way as well, I a little am. bit. What I want to get into first is what drew you to photography? Like what age did you start shooting photos? So it wasn't a bit until I was about 26, I think, or 27, somewhere in that range. And my mom had always had like a really, really strong love for photography. And she was always trying to get me into it, me and my sister. And 
we were just kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. It's pictures. It's photos. We got our phones. It's fine. And then one day she bought me a camera and I started using it. It was a film camera. No idea what I was doing and decided I couldn't use that because I didn't understand the settings well enough to. And then um, I got a digital and tried using that and it was okay. Like I shot some pretty okay stuff. It wasn't anything good. But um, it wasn't until I was almost 30 that I actually fully started getting into it. And my sister was getting married. We were going to Italy. And right before that is when I was like, oh, this is so cool. And I figured out kind of how to use the camera. Took it to Italy with me, but I didn't get it out a lot. You know, I was like, oh, my phone's so much easier and just use that. But it wasn't until I got back where I lost all my photos on my phone that I actually... (laughs) Decided I will never do that again, and I will always <laughs> take my camera with me and not use my t- my phone for photos. And then I went through a breakup right after that, and then I just kind of like really dove into it. I just kind of pushed all my energy and my time into it because it was a distraction. So so you picked up your first camera around 26. Mm-hmm. You get into your 30s and you're pushing it a little harder and then you go through this breakup and you really dive into photography and you're 34 now. Yes. So you've been doing it roughly about eight years, but only four years with like real serious putting your nose to the grindstone for lack of a better term and really going at it. That's amazing because I know people who have been shooting much longer than both you and I who don't have the talent that you've displayed in like your portfolio of your stuff and your work. Um, And I think me, myself, it's nice to see how when you really start diving into it, that the amount of work you put into it also equivocates to the amount of uh, successful images that come out of it. I remember when I first started shooting was kind of the a little bit different than you. I started straight on digital. I never had a film camera whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You could hand one of those to me today and I would have no (laughs) clue what I was doing. I'd be like, uh, what's this thing? Yep. (laughs) Um, But I remember I was married at the time and we went to, I've always been interested in like historical places and Mm -hmm. things. So I went back to Waverly Hills for my honeymoon and I took an old Canon camera with me, which was like one of Canon's first digital cameras. And it was my, at that time, wife's dad's camera. He says, take this, it'll take amazing pictures. Because cell phone photography back then was just total shit, right? (laughs) So terrible. It was like, I don't even know what the megapixels in the cameras were, like maybe one or two. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, take this. And the megapixels in this camera, I think were like 10. So it was, it was nothing to write home about, but it was a digital camera. It's like, okay. And now like as being in uh, photography for what, like I've been doing it for mm, maybe about you, like seven, eight years, seriously, a little longer than that, but not seriously, but Night photography is hard. Yes. It's a pain in the ass, even when you're really versed in it. Yes. It I is. had no idea what I was doing. And I'm a beginner taking this Nikon or this Canon camera around trying to shoot these night shots. Oh, I'm no. like, what the fuck? Why is the camera like 
taking the picture forever because I just had it on auto mode. So and then they came out blurry. <laughs> they were terrible. <laughs> they were so <laughs> awful. And I remember coming back from the trip and I'm looking at these photos and my naive ass is like, must have been the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. It's a very haunted location. And I'm like, look at all these orbs, not thinking, oh, it's dust that right. you're you've got on your sensor. Or look at like, why is it all like blurry and stuff? <laughs> Something must have happened. And it's like, no, it's because the shutter or the shutter speed was so low, like, you know, it's probably shooting at like I don't know, two seconds or something, because there was no light and I'm mm. in auto mode. And then I was also like, why do these photos have all these like little pixely dust particles in them? And it's obviously the grain from the ISO being bumped up. And it's things like that that you don't figure out until you really dive into photography. But as a beginner, you're just like, you you know, and I had no one to really mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, So learning photography for me was YouTube. And I had one guy that I worked with who he was more of a film photographer. So he would mentor me in the way of like composition and things of that nature. But as far as the camera itself, the settings, nothing. Yep. How did you yourself learn to actually start improving your images from day one of getting a camera to where you are now? Did you go through like a traditional school route or are you self-taught? Self-taught. Self-taught. Yeah, I got some information from my mom because she got me into it. And then what she didn't know, like the night photography and like a lot of the settings, what the aperture does and all that. Um, I just kind of started messing around with it. And I would go online and I would read stuff and be like, okay, so manual's the best one to shoot in. And then I would try and my photos would be just white. I'm like, okay, something's wrong. And then like go and find, you know, okay, what can I do to fix this? And it was just a lot of like learning curves, but all self-taught um, for the most part, especially in manual mode. Because with my mom, it was like all auto. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just a lot of trial and error, a lot of bad photos. <laughs> Composition wise, I don't think that I've ever like had anyone talk to me about composition, um, photo placement. I've always just been like, oh, that looks really pretty. And then I'll just take the picture and then it turns out somewhat decent most of the time. <laughs> yeah, he um, he would always teach me like the rule of thirds and shooting at lower angles or higher angles and not doing what the human eye sees every day to make yep. your compositions more interesting. Things like that, like tips is what he would give me and that really helped me when I started shooting making my uh, photos more interesting right. because I was always looking at photos online and stuff and like how are they getting such cool shots how is this turning out so well and then like I should have been able to just tell from the photo itself like oh duh they're like a foot above the ground. So it's creating this really interesting dynamic. Right. Um, But it doesn't click until someone actually sat me down and talked with me about that stuff. Um, So that's interesting that you went through all of that, just learning that yourself. And today, knowing that you were going to come on, I went all the way back to the very beginning of your Instagram, like scrolled to your very first photos. And you had told me, oh, they were bad, man. They were super bad. They're not good, but they're not bad. They're a roadmap 
of where you've come from though. Yeah. Cause then I went back to my very, that was like, Hmm, her stuff's not terrible. And then I went back to my, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I think like everyone has that moment where they're like, Oh wow. Right. Like you poor thing. What were you thinking? <laughs> like, I know we're all so much more harsh on our own work yeah. than we are on other people's. Um, but it was cool to see because like, I know how I progressed through photography and how, um, my skill has gained, but to see it from your first photos to what you're shooting now was like a night and day difference Yes, because you were saying some of your first, uh, Milky Way shots and stuff were really grainy and I didn't Mm -hmm. believe you, but I was like, yeah, you got some grain in there, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the first time I got it, I was so proud and so excited. And then I took it home and I was working on like trying to edit it. And that was a whole other learning curve because Milky Way editing is really difficult. But the grain was just so bad. And I was like, these are just beautiful images. They're so great. And I look back now, I'm like, no, these were not. Oh, yeah. You look at your Milky Way (laughs) images you're capturing now and they're like 10 times what you were yes. capturing back then. But but like I say, that's so cool because it's like a roadmap to who you are. Absolutely. And, and I think it's so, uh, so important to be a humble photographer and never forget where you came from. A lot of the time I'll have people like ask me to teach them photography and I try and dodge that like as best as I can because I don't even know how I taught myself. You yep. know what I mean? <laughs> It's just a lot of trial and error is really what it is. And it's a lot of like finding what you like and don't like and what you're comfortable with. And a lot of the times you've got to discover that on your own. Yeah, that's very true. Um, And there's such a the the other thing I like about photography is there's such a wide um, range of options with it, just like any other art form, like, you know, music you go play a musical instrument, you can do anything from jazz to rock to metal, whatever you choose your path. And you really do that in photography as well. Um, Which what made you because I traditionally started out as like a landscape photographer. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, really struggling with them because I didn't have that, um, that mentor at the time to teach me those tricks about the rule of thirds and um, you know, composition and all that. So my landscape shots were the shit and they were utterly boring and terrible. And I also didn't understand editing at all. So, and that's a whole nother concept to grasp depending on the program you're using and what you're doing. But so I went from landscapes getting really bored real quick to going into like horror stuff, mm-hmm. like People, if they go to my beginning of my Instagram, it's all creepy photos. I love your Instagram for that, too. I love all your horror stuff. It's it's really great. And that's I really like focused on that. And I haven't done much of it lately. I've been do I've been back into the landscapes mm-hmm. and like wildlife and stuff like that. I need to. I'm very versatile, yes. I guess. And you'll see the changes because my <laughs> Instagram will go through these different like all of a sudden there'll be a bunch of animal pictures and then blood and gore blood and gore then landscapes and animals what is your favorite subject to shoot when you're out and about doing your photography so i i would normally say landscape but lately it's been wildlife and but landscape is where i started um i really 
liked landscape landscape photography. Um, I just love going out and seeing things. And you can find so much here in Utah, especially like different settings, different places to take photos, different backgrounds. But yeah, lately it's definitely been the wildlife. Landscape and Milky Way, though, are some of my favorites. Some of your favorite mm -hmm. currently. You say something that's really interesting to me that Utah has such vast landscapes and I couldn't agree more because I've been from coast to coast in this country. I've been in a lot of different states. I haven't been like you where you've been abroad in other countries, which I'm super jealous of. <laughs> but Utah, people like don't understand how different this state is. You can go from the desert to the forest, mm. to basically making it look like you're at the ocean with the Great Salt Lake that's slowly disappearing. <laughs> Very slowly. But you can get all these different areas within two hours. Exactly. Any direction. Whereas back east, you can't do that. It's, it's all forest. It's all forest everywhere. And it's beautiful in its own right. But I remember my first time uh, visiting North Carolina, I was like, there's no scenic views here. Uh -huh. There's no openness. Like, where am I going to do a landscape shot? I just got trees in front of my face everywhere. Yep. And if it's not trees, it's the ocean. And it's like, how many... Oceans. You can take a lot of pictures of the ocean, but, you know, a lot of them don't get too creative. Yeah. Unless you have different, like, foreground, which a lot of it's the same out there. Yes. I couldn't agree more. So when you say that about Utah, I think people who are coming up in photography in this state, you guys are so lucky because you have so much to shoot here. It's amazing, the potential. And with wildlife, we have a ton of different wildlife here because like we were just saying, you've got forest, desert, ocean-ish. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of birds. You have a ton of birds because we're a migratory path here. Yeah. And so your wildlife is vast. And if you if you want to go get like grizzly bears or wolves, you just got to go north out of Utah into like Wyoming and Montana and that area. And there you go. Yep. And that's like a two hour drive minimum. Yeah. And you're just in a completely different landscape again. Exactly. So we're so lucky here in Utah with what we have to shoot. What's getting you more into the wildlife recently? Um, I've just seen so many pictures and so many pictures, I should say, of animals that I just find incredibly beautiful. And I just, I bought a lens for it and I sat on it for a little while and I was just like, ah, there's not really a lot of wildlife here to shoot. And then I did some research and started actually going out and there's tons, like you said, it's so, it's so versatile here. But um, yeah, just a lot of like the photography pages that I followed just started posting a lot of animals and they're incredible. Like so, animals are amazing. So the inspiration from other people's work mm -hmm. made you decide, hey, I'm going to go do this. Right. I kind of was the same story as you. So I bought a 200 to 600 telephoto lens over a year ago. I shot with that thing maybe three or four times and then I shelved it. I'm like, wow, you just bought a $2,000 piece of glass that just <laughs> became a paperweight, right? Yes, that is exactly how I felt. <laughs> and then I started getting into birding a little bit. So I started getting like doing some bird photos here and there, which is a lot of fun. But land animals, I never really did mm -hmm. until just like recently 
when you were like, let's go to Antelope Island. I was like, there ain't fucking anything out in Antelope Island. <laughs> like, what are we going to see? Uh, you know, a bison here or there. <laughs> but like our first trip out to Antelope Island, we were blessed by the gods of animal kingdom with <laughs> like we seen crows, ravens, whatever's out there. I can't remember which one. It's ravens. It's ravens. Uh, bison, obviously. We've seen porcupines out there. We've seen owls. We've seen coyotes, which was a lot of fun. And I think one of the reasons that I find wildlife photography so intriguing lately is the rush it presents. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. It's, you just, you see an animal and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is like an amazing opportunity. And you have to like get out of the car, try and set up the shot before they leave. Like it's just, it's kind of like a time game. Yeah. Or you even, you set up somewhere and you're waiting for animals. I don't know. There's just something about it that's different than landscapes or portraits. It's, it's almost like you become a hunter as well. I think, I think, cause I've never, I've never been a hunter myself, but I've always heard that term buck fever Yes, where you go out, you got your first buck and then all of a sudden you start shaking cause you're like, I got to get this thing and you fire your shot. But it's kind of like that with the camera as well because like when we seen that coyote coming in on the causeway i was like holy shit (laughs) (laughs) me is that a dog (laughs) (laughs) right and it's just it the thrill that wildlife and nature give in the photography aspect is just that's what's been making that so exciting for me Mm -hmm. um And don't get me wrong, I still love landscapes and I'll still get out there and do landscapes. But it's interesting to see how you're like when you're doing photography, how much your paths kind of like go different areas. And that's why I've always liked to keep because I got some advice that I think is very bad advice, but I also think it's very good advice and a while ago. And it was you need to find your niche with photography and you need to stay in that niche to get big. Mm -hmm. And Although that advice is very true, because I see a lot of people who do that and they become very big in that niche, I hate it because it becomes boring to me. Well, not only that, you don't really grow as an artist if you stay doing the same thing. Like you got to push your boundaries and your limits. And if you don't, then you're just stagnant. Exactly. I mean, you could perfect your craft, but if you perfect it, you have nowhere to go from there. Yeah. And that, and that's how like that, that's why my Instagram is the worst Instagram to go to for (laughs) one thing in particular, because the subject matter changes (laughs) on a weekly basis. It probably annoys some people. I love it. But, and, and I appreciate that there are people out there that can see kind of what I'm doing with things is it's, to me, it's just an adventure in itself. Like photography to me, the, the reason I really jumped in and liked photography is I was a musician mm-hmm. way before I got into photography and I had been in bands in high school and all this stuff. But the one thing with music with me is you always have to, and you don't have to much these days because you, there's a lot of home recording and things of that nature. But back when I was into it, it was like, you need people, mm-hmm. you need people to form a band and you're relying on people. Photography, it is nice to have people that are into the same things that you shoot because you can go out and explore with them and adventure. But if one of them calls off on a day or doesn't want to go, you can go do it on your own as well. It's one of those art forms that is solely reliant on like 
you. You don't need anyone. You just need you, a camera, and eventually a computer to get back to. <laughs> yes. And some adventurous spirit to get out there. And that's the other reason I like it so much is, for me, it pushes me to get out there and explore and adventure. Mm-hmm. I don't know for you, is that kind of same thing? Yes. Um, and that's like another thing too, like the social aspect of it, I really like, cause I haven't met like so many people on there, but like you and I've gone out with Caroline and I've got another friend, but it's really nice, especially when the photographers that you meet are humble and not, you know, worried about sharing their location and stuff. Like you can get so many great places just from knowing people and, uh, the adventuring, I, I love it. It's one of my favorite things. I can I usually will just like get in the car and pick a direction and drive, see where I end up. But yeah, I I love it. It's it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm also that way. I am someone who loves to just jump in the car and not have a destination um in mind mm-hmm. and just go like I'm gonna go two hours this way and see where I end up. And I've found so much cool stuff just by doing that. Um you brought up a very interesting point that I kind of want to jump into about photography and that's like the niches that photographers fit into. Mm-hmm. And one of them that I've never understood is the territorial photographer. I don't get it. There <sighs> It is massive in the abandoned world. It is. If you do any of the urban exploration, UberX, whatever they call it, all those hashtags mm-hmm. on Instagram, I totally understand where people coming are coming from when they don't want to share locations publicly. Right. Like, you know, okay, I get it. We don't want people finding these locations and further destroying them. Exactly. But some of them won't share it with you, period, because they're like, this is my find. No one's taking a picture (laughs) of this ever again except me. Yes. And then it's just, I don't know. I I do get the aspect of, you know, keep it because most people don't clean up after themselves. Most people will go in and destroy things like you said, or like a lot of people will go, oh, it's a party spot. You know, let's go and take a kegger out there and a bunch of people have a big old party. But if it's with another photographer, I think that, you know, more people should be open to it. Yeah, they they get very territorial in that community. Um, and I can't, I don't know of a abandoned place that I have been to yet that hasn't already been utterly destroyed mm-hmm. now. So, I mean, I can't count how many abandoned shots I've had to get edit the dick pics out of because every <laughs> every junior high high school kid that finds these locations they get spray paint and they have to Tag draw it. a big dick sitting on the wall no somewhere. matter what there is always at least one <laughs> no right oh man um but there's a thrill with that type of photography as well because you're in places you're not supposed to be mm-hmm. I myself don't do a lot of the interiors. I will do them, but I'm like, I'm like Rambo, dude. I run and gun in and I run and gun out. I'm getting the hell out of there. And we have uh, the two that I go with mainly on that stuff, uh, Riley and Caroline, they're so like meticulous when Mm -hmm. they get in there and they're reading the light and they're doing everything and they're 
they're probably so annoyed with me because I'm the one that's like looking out the window, like where are the cops and always on guard. Mm -hmm. And they don't they don't have a worry in the world. Some most of the times it seems like and they it's probably because they've done it so often. Yeah. But then when I go to places with them, they're like, don't worry, the cops don't show up. What happens? The cops do. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just running. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't run because he like looked right at me and was like, did I tell you that story when I we were in? Know. So we were in Green River and it was me, Caroline, Riley, and Tiffany. And there's this old missile silo plant thing down there. And it doesn't have no, no trespassing signs anywhere. It's just an open facility. The gates are all open. Nothing is locked. It looks like people have come in here. Like we were saying, there's dick pics on mm -hmm. shit. There's garbage in places. Um, but there's nothing that says like, you can't be here. Like clearly there are areas where urban explorers go and it's like, you ain't supposed to be here. You just jumped the fence. It said no trespassing. It yep. says, be aware of dog, beware of owner with gun, all this Cameras stuff. on property. Right. All that. But this didn't say any of that. So I was not on really high alert either. I was like, okay, cool. And then this cop started circling the compound a couple times. I was like, are we supposed to be here, guys? Like, do you know what the actual legality is of this? Because this can affect my job if I get caught. Mm -hmm. And he circles the compound and then he leaves. I'm like, okay, maybe he was just up here screwing around like we are, you know, just driving around. And then he ends up coming back oh, no. right as we're in the middle of this like shot. And I have the shot off to show you on my computer if I haven't shown you before. He literally sticks his head in through this broken window to look at us right as I press the shutter. So you got me sitting there trying to act terrified from their hands coming out of the walls. And this cop just looking at me. <laughs> oh and I'm like, oh, great. Now, what's going to happen here? And luckily, I think, I don't think he would have ticketed us, but I think he would have kicked us out mm -hmm. if it wasn't for our friend Tiffany who just put on the flirtatious works, man. <laughs> nice. She just worked it. She literally came out of the little closet area and was like, hello, officer. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was like, thank God she's here because I couldn't pull that. Yeah, he'd be like, yeah, you're going to jail, buddy. <laughs> right? Have you ever had any crazy, like, run-ins or stories from your photography times? Or has it been kind of a... It's been pretty pretty non-eventful there was like a few times where you go in and you're like okay somebody was definitely just here um i remember there was this house that was out on 90th south and almost uh redwood road and it had a giant carrot on the side of it we called it the carrot house and we went in there and you go into the basement well we had to actually sneak in because you know the neighbors and this guy was in his backyard, and so we're, like, trying to, like, crawl through the brush and make sure we don't get caught. We go in the back door, and you can tell people were definitely living there. Um, and that's one of the scariest parts of it, by the way, is, you know, you get a lot of transients that are living in these houses. But we went downstairs, and I don't know if it was just, like, the fear of being in that house, but it sounded like there was somebody like kind of moving out around like around the area but we never saw anyone and then there was another time that i was out with caroline and we were at a house in tooele and there was a curtain at the top of this house that we were in like the stairs mm -hmm. and you could hear somebody up there moving around 
And so we were kind of just standing in the kitchen area taking pictures. And then once the movement stopped, we were like, okay, we should probably leave now. because. Yeah. And then you could see like the curtain kind of moving. We're like, okay, this is kind of sketchy. Like, let's go. But aside from that, no cops, thankfully. Haven't run into yeah, any I'm of the, those. Yeah, I am the person you do not like that. That's why I don't do much abandoned photography anymore because I am... Oh, not a conduit, but I'm like the like the I'm, bad luck charm. I am the bad luck charm because <laughs> whenever I'm with people, cops show up. I've had the cops show up on me when I'm not even doing anything wrong. Like, um, God, that area out by um, I eighty mm-hmm. Saltaire. We were out there doing like a Michael Myers shoot once, and I had like two or three cops show up on me there. They wanted to know if we were robbing a bank soon or something like that. And I couldn't read these guys. like If they were um, serious. If they were serious or not. But when I made a joke, they didn't really laugh or smile. (laughs) They just looked at me really seriously. And I was like, no, we're just taking photos. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had another time we were doing a Valentine's shoot. And we were out on the far end of Magna. And this one, I'm surprised that they didn't like pull a gun on us because... Literally, I'm kind of in the brush taking the photo. We have one of our friends is laying down on the main side of the main road. Mm-hmm. This It's like a side road, but he's on the side of the road. And then I have a girl with a knife held over her head. Oh, my God. Like totally coming down to like fake stab him, like posing for the frame and for the shot. And I've got my camera set up and I'm sitting there and I'm taking these photos and then all of a sudden just in the viewfinder I'm looking this white car just pulls up in the background (laughs) and I'm like shooting it like f 2.8 or something so the bokeh is like blowing Mm. out the background so I can't tell and then I come out of the viewfinder I'm like oh shit (laughs) it's the cops and I literally like raised my hands because they were like getting out of the car and I'm like oh camera you know and they're like Oh, okay. <laughs> They're like, okay, everything's fine. You're not murdering somebody here. Right? But I'm like, oh, God, that could have turned to be very bad and problematic. And then I've told, well, I told you the gay story that I ran into, right? Yes, yes. I have not told anyone else out there in uh, podcast land this story. So I'm going to retell this story and you can just listen and give your two cents. And I said, I say this is the gay story because it's the only way I have of labeling it. So I'm not like being disparaging towards gays. It's just a gay story. (laughs) I'm literally out on, and you're familiar with this area. It's I-80 and 7200 West. Yes. The 7200 West exit in Utah is basically like no man's land wasteland. You, when you go out there, you're on the backside of the landfills. There, no one out there is up to any good. I swear, I go out there all the time. And to this day, even after this event, I still go out there and you see cars sitting all over the place with just single occupants. And I'm always wondering what the hell they're doing. It like gives me breaking bad vibes and stuff out there mm-hmm. very much. One of the days I go out there, take this exit, and there's this, there's a field out there that's just a plain Jane field. And the good thing about it is it's full of power poles surrounding it. So it's like very popular for hawks, eagles, and everything to get up there on those power poles. And you can watch them go down and try and get mice and stuff like that. So I'm out there. This was like the 
first time I got my telephoto lens. So I'm like, oh, I gotta go try this thing out, you know? And I'm driving out there and I notice I'm being followed by this white truck as I go to this area. I'm like, okay, well, this is odd, but there's weirdos out here. I'll just be on my guard, you know? I, I always carry a gun with me everywhere I go, just in case. Um, and I pull down this road and every like, well, I would say every hundred feet or so, there's a car pulled to the side of the road. And I'm passing all these cars of single dudes, just one guy sitting in the car after one guy sitting in the car. And there's probably like 12 of them in this area. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I come to this area to turn around on this side road. It's like opens up to a big white circle that you can turn around in. And again, more vehicles. And the white truck that's behind me pulls in behind me as well in this circle. And I kind of pull forward a little bit more, pull to the side of the road, and I'm like looking out in the field. And then I look up in my rear view mirror. The guy in the truck has gotten out of the vehicle, pulled his dick out of his pants, and is masturbating or playing with himself in front of all these guys. And I'm looking at this in my rear view mirror, utterly horrified, like, what is going on? Then I start looking at everyone else. Everyone else isn't horrified. They got binoculars and stuff, and they're staring at the guy in the middle of the circle. I am sitting here like, what did I just drive myself into? So I put my car in the drive, and I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> One of the side vehicles starts to follow me. And I'm like, oh, maybe he was just, you know, in this area, wrong place, wrong time, right time, whatever. Well, I get down to where like Saltair is and I pull over and I'm calling my girlfriend to explain the story to her. I think this guy thought I was pulling over for him. He gets out of his truck, his no shirt on, chest full of this white gray hair and walks up to my <laughs> side door and tries to open it. I think he thought I was looking for a good time with him. I didn't even give him the time of day. I slam my car into drive and just peel out. And I go to the nearest uh, police station, little Magnus, this little like uh, rinkety dink station. And I pull in and there's these two detectives sitting there. Or I think they're detectives. They're in suits and ties and like the gun on the hip, the, the typical police look mm -hmm. for a detective. And I run up to him. I'm like, I got to ask you guys a really weird question. And they're like, what? I'm like, I just ran into this and I explained the story to them. And they both, no concern. They just start <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> oh, my God. And they say, buddy, you were in the right area at the wrong time. And they explained to me that it was uh, a hookup area for religious, closeted, gay, older men. Um, and that they constantly have to do like sting operations out there and i was like well, well great i'm never going down that road again alone <laughs> and to this day every time i pass that road because i still go out to that area i just am reminded that oh, i almost became someone's someone's <laughs> lover on the side of the road <laughs> that is one of my favorite photography stories i've ever heard dude if if if, if it's something weird or crazy for some reason it happens to me and i do not know why it's probably because you're such a great storyteller that you can just like <laughs> tell the next person and 
<laughs> like, you told me that. Cow. I laughed so hard. <laughs> I know. I had this. I have this photographer I know in Ohio, and the reason, I'm, main reason, I'm telling this story to you again is he wanted to hear it. And I told him I'd get it on one of the podcasts because I was listening to one of his stories. I was like, I got one better, and I'm not one of those people that's like, I could better your right. story. Like, I'm just like. This story is pretty crazy. <laughs> it is. You told me that. And I've been to that area so many times. And luckily, I've never stumbled upon that. But And you probably wouldn't have a problem because you're a female. <laughs> I wouldn't even have known what to do, though. Like, just seeing it, like how you kind of just pulled up and saw everything in the rearview mirror. I would be like, what do I do? Do I leave? Do I stay? Like, I don't want to stay. But, like, what's going to happen? Like, are they going to stop me? <laughs> right? Oh my God, man. I would be uh, deer in the headlights. <laughs> I I was deer in the headlights for sure until like something clicked and it was like, you you can't be here, Marcus. <laughs> Get you you got to go, bro. <laughs> they probably see you with the camera and think you're here to be the videographer. <laughs> Somebody hired him. It's fine. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the crazy things that you run into. And that's, that's, I guess that's one of the things that I got to be so thankful for being into photography is it forces you. It's one of those artistic talents that people can develop that forces you to get out and explore. That's how you get your shots. Yes. You don't get them from just hanging around town unless you're, I mean, if if you're into portrait photography, you can. Or like cityscapes. Cityscapes, things like that. I, But I really do like street photography. That's another one that I really enjoy. And that's a that's a challenging one because you're forcing yourself to go take photos of people and things and not feel uncomfortable yourself. Like you're violating their privacy. Yeah. yeah. Because um, have you ever done street photography before? I've tried and I'm terrible at it. But I've also told you um, in the past, I'm terrible at like portraits as well. So people have always kind of been like, the last frontier for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> eventually, someday I'll try it again. But what is it about yeah. portraits that are challenging to you? Probably the personability, like, you know, being personable with somebody. It's very hard for me to open up to people. But I think that in order to take great portraits, you have to be very well versed in people. You have to be a people person or at least, you know, know how to make people feel comfortable. And I don't know. I've always felt like I've had a challenge with that. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that is maybe that's why I kind of jumped into portrait photography originally, like not in the traditional sense, because I didn't do pretty portraits. It was always like gory horror portraits. I, mm -hmm. I didn't want none of that. Let's make this person look good. There's enough of that. I was not about the boudoir stuff. But men never are about the boudoir stuff. They're always about it, but we can't get girls to do it for us. It's always right. female boudoir that shoots, you know, it's females shooting females because let's face it, that's going to be more comfortable for right. most of them. I mean, I've done a few boudoir shots for people, but nothing crazy. And then family portraits and stuff like that is always just super boring to me. Mm -hmm. I do them for people, but I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> but you're right. You really have to, with portrait photography, be well-versed with making people feel comfortable. Mm. And I always think the best way to make people feel comfortable is to be vulnerable yourself because they're sitting in front of a camera. And in that, all photographers know, because we like to be behind the camera because yep. we know how vulnerable <laughs> it is to be in front of it, right? Exactly. So yeah, you got to be vulnerable with that person and, and personable. Um, 
I've, I find it fascinating to also watch other photographers out there in the wild mm -hmm. per se. Like if you ever go to like memory Grove or something like that, I love watching portrait photographers set up their craft, like and how they do it. I probably look like a little bit of a creep sitting over there because I'm just them. watching. <laughs> but you know what? At least you're doing that. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anyone shoot portrait photography. Like, really? unless, unless like I'm the one that's being shot, which is really rare, but like for family photos and stuff. But aside from that, I don't. I don't think I've ever actually watched or yeah. like looked at the setup or set them setting up. Yeah, I've always I always find it interesting. <laughs> it, I mean, if you want to see portrait photographers and work, go to the Peace Gardens, um, Memory Grove, the Capitol, any three of those locations during the spring, they're everywhere. Uh, yeah, and you can just it's it's interesting watching them. You you know the ones that know what they're doing and then you see the ones that don't know what they're doing and it's it's you know it's nice because we all started in the not knowing what we were mm -hmm. doing you know phase so i always recommend that to people go go talk to other photographers go watch other photographers don't be like a total creep and like stare <laughs> forever but kind of see what they're doing what they're using how they're setting things up and then don't be afraid to give advice like if any of you professional photographers out there see people doing something in a very mm, odd way, like me, I was on uh, the Durango train, um, Durango to Silverton this past two months ago. Mm -hmm. And there was this guy on the train and he's taking photos, these, you know, moving landscape photos, which are a pain in the ass when you're, when you're shooting landscapes from a moving object, like a train, it's tough. It is very tough. It's, it's tough to get something interesting to post. And he's sitting there taking these shots. And every time he's taking a shot, the pop-up flash is going off. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know he's a noob. So I just go over to him. I'm like, Hey, I just want to give you a little bit of advice you you want to turn that off mm, it's not gonna help you at all <laughs> it's just gonna those pop-up flashes just put so much bright light out there that it's just gonna make all your photos look like they're super overexposed mm -hmm. so and i told him and he was very grateful for it he's like oh, i have no idea what i'm doing i'm like don't worry dude neither do i <laughs> and i am here to tell you i don't consider myself a professional photographer by any means i think I think it's a really weird term, professional photographer. Like, when do you become a professional? I guess when you're getting paid and that's mm -hmm. all you do is when you're a professional. Yeah. But I consider myself a well-versed photographer. And I still don't know what the hell I'm doing 90% of the time. <laughs> I don't either. Trust me. Like I said, like, until recently, like, the whole Milky Way shots thing, like, mine were still, they're still, even to this day, like, nowhere where they should be. But I love taking them. And it's like, you know, it's slowly trying to get better at them. Yeah. I, oh, you're fine. Don't even <laughs> worry about it. But it's it's so hard because I see like some of these other people that post these Milky Way shots and I'm just like, how? Like, that is incredible. And then a lot of it, I'm like, okay, well, is this Photoshop? And that like brings in a whole other aspect of it. But it's, yeah, I... 
I'm really glad, though, that the guy that was on the train with you was actually receptive because a lot of photographers or people that are trying to get into it are just like, no, 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 I know what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, and they won't take your feedback and they'll actually like be really douchey about it. That That's true. I mean, I have had, I've had run-ins. I, I don't know. I think I'm a good reader of people. Like I can tell what people I can talk to and which ones I can't. Which ones are just going to yell at you? <laughs> yeah. And he was definitely one that I was like, I can I can talk to you and give you just a little advice, not saying you have to even follow it. Right. Um, but yeah, there are other people that I'm like, I'm definitely not going to go talk to that person <laughs> because, and it, the ones I really just laugh my ass off at is like, I'm kind of a gear snob. Like I love camera gear. A lot of people hate people that are gear snobs. <laughs> I'm a total gear snob. If I could, I would take 17 bags with me <laughs> on one awful. location and just have everything I could with me at all times. And I I fit that perfect meme that B&H put out just recently about gear people and everything. But I love when I see people that have super expensive gear in their hands and have no idea what the hell they're doing. That is pretty comical. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you just watch them and you're just like, you know right you it's, spent all that money for something that's basically a paperweight yeah i was i was talking with a guy another guy on the same train and he has a sony a1 on him i'm like okay you got a fucking six thousand dollar camera body mm -hmm. and then you got a g master lens on there okay so you're rolling with like an eight thousand dollar setup and i just like glance over and he's in like auto mode uh -huh. and he doesn't know what he's doing <laughs> And I'm not saying that you can't start photography with an expensive camera, more power to you. What I want to impress on people the most is gear does not make the photo. At all. It's it's your creativity. It will help. It's a good tool. And I mean, there are things like, you know, if you're doing Milky Way shots and stuff like that, you obviously want a lens. It's got that aperture that you can achieve. But you can still achieve it in other ways. But some people just think that if they buy the most expensive gear, all of a sudden they're going to be Ansel Adams. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like that does not compute that way. It does not. And I love my sister, but I'm going to throw her under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> she was getting into photography and she told me, like, what camera should I, you know, buy and all this. And I helped her, helped her get all of her stuff. And she's like, well, that's all you need, right? You just need a good camera. And I was like. No, no, <laughs> that's actually not it at all. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, that's all you need. It's fine. <laughs> and then she went to Iceland and she was taking pictures and she's came back and she's like, I feel really bad for what I said. <laughs> she's like, the camera did not like help. And she's like, I, it took that for me to like realize that, you know, a lot of it is technique and a lot of it's like, you know, your eye for things and knowing your camera really well. Because it was kind of like she bought the camera. It was like a quick jump tutorial on how to use it. And I was really impressed because she shot in manual mode the entire time. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But and then she came back. She's like, yep, I'm sticking my foot in my mouth. I should not have said that. And she's like, I have a different <laughs> respect for that. That is awesome, though, that she was able to actually recognize, oh, there is more to this. Yeah. Now I need to learn this craft. Yep. Because a lot of them... A lot of people won't recognize that and then they get mad that they're not instant Instagram stars or that their photos aren't selling 
and then you see all that gear on KSL. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, and you're like, oh, I'm getting a really great price for this lens. <laughs> shot five shots out of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Because it's it's so true that gear does not, and, and this is coming from a gear snob, it doesn't make your photos mm. at all. You can, I've seen amazing stuff created. And some of my favorite photos that I still have I shot with my Nikon D3100, which is like an entry-level DSLR, mm -hmm. capable of nothing. But it forced me to be more creative. Yes. And that, that's the other thing that I don't know how you uh, taught yourself in photography, but the one thing I didn't do is I shot on auto mode for a year. I did not get out of auto mode. And everyone was like, oh, you got to get out of auto mode. got to get out of auto mode. And I was like, but the one thing that my mentor guy that taught me nothing about the camera said let the camera make the decisions you work on compositions do mm -hmm. that for a sole year and i i took that advice i was like okay i won't do anything i i would mess around in like uh shutter aperture or you know the other months but i never shot in manual mode i was a, almost a little scared to for a while but i just took that and was like okay i'll shoot in auto mode like he says do that for a year and just work on trying to get angles and things down. And I think that really helped me personally because yeah. I wasn't trying to take off a huge bite of everything at right. once. Right. And it made me more in tune with like composition. And then I started working in manual later and a lot of people and I, I'll, I'll, throw myself under the bus. There are times I will shoot in auto mode still to this day. Mm -hmm. um, one really nice time auto comes in like handy for me is when I used to do weddings. I don't do oh, yeah. weddings anymore, but weddings are stressful as shit. They are. And the situations and the lighting is changing so often. I always shoot with two cameras and like the run and gun one, ah, that sucker's in auto mode with a 50 millimeter lens on it. And I'm just getting the candid shots. That's smart though. Because like you said, they're really stressful. In high stress situations, you're not always thinking clearly. So a lot of times you can mess up the shot and then they're going to be pissed off because they're paying for those. And yeah, I, I would have done the same thing, honestly. Yeah. And I always have two cameras on me when I'm doing like events like that. And the other one, it was in manual or is when I am. But yeah, I'm not afraid to just let the camera make the decisions sometimes because it's like, dude, you these are moments and people's lives and mm -hmm. stuff that you're not going to get back. And I've had instances where I've been out shooting before and made the dumbest mistakes. Yep. One, I've shown up to shots without batteries in the camera. <laughs> I have to all the time. <laughs> SD cards, no right? SD card. No SD card. I, I did a portrait session. Like, just last year and i was out doing night photography the day before so my iso was like cranked oh no <laughs> Dude, all of my shots were so grainy because i didn't oh turn my, my iso back down and you don't notice when you're shooting but when you upload them on the computer oh and this was the best one so i don't know much about canon or nikon cameras anymore because i've been a sony fanboy for the past like seven eight years mm -hmm. And I, I say that very very loosely. I don't have any brand loyalty to any camera. I think all cameras, especially from the three major manufacturers, Canon, Icon, and Sony, are great. Mm -hmm. You can't go wrong with even their entry-level stuff nowadays. It's 
really that good. But I just shoot on Sony because you're going to notice once you get invested into a camera body, you start buying glass for that and glasses, lenses. They're expensive as shit, and you never want to have to rebuy that stuff on another no, platform. <laughs> it's the worst. And even, like, converters, they it's just not the same. Oh, no, they're not, right? Yeah. It's like, I mean, I think I had a Metabones converter for a little while, and I was trying out, like, some old, um, like, vintage glass. Mm-hmm. That was terrible. <laughs> Didn't work out. Well. No, they the ones that did have autofocus. My camera's autofocus with the lens. It just not compatible. It, oh no. Yeah. And it it would say oh it's compatible and miss like ninety percent of the shots. It's yep. like oh, I got one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, God, where was I going with this? I just got off track. <laughs> I was talking about gear. Damn it! Oh no! I hate when I do this. I was talking about lenses, talking Sony. about here, talking about Sony. Oh, so Sony has an option within their camera bodies on their full frames to take your uh, full frame sensor and crop it down to an ASPC size sensor. So um, it takes the equivalent and puts it into that APC size, which makes your lenses have more reach. But it what, yeah, you were telling me compromises your pixel um, count. So you go from my camera's 64 pixels, 64, 62. It takes it down to 24, mm-hmm. which is okay if you need that extra reach for right. like wildlife and stuff. Well, I had been out shooting um, some bird photos. I forgot to switch it back from the um, from that mode. And I did all of my landscapes up in Colorado. Oh no! With half of my sensor, <laughs> so like they still turned out okay. But if I blow them up really big, it's gonna not look really great. Th- they they look okay, but they don't look what the camera's supposed to look like. Right. So I was quite upset, especially since I went on the million dollar highway. And I don't know if you know that stretch of road, but it's like one of the most scenic highways in America. I have not heard of that. And I got some great, like amazing snow-capped mountain shots. And a lot of them, I just threw them away. because I was like, well, I want to blow this up real big, but it's going to look not what it, nope, I got to go back. So I was like super critical of it. But, but we make mistakes like that as photographers and you have to learn from those mistakes. And I'm just going to tell you, you repeat them again and again. You never really learn. You absolutely do. (laughs) It is so true. I had Riley over here doing, um, our family photos two weeks ago and she's we're in our living room doing them and she like pulls her camera up to her eye and I'm like your lens caps on yep <laughs> I think that when we were out at Antelope Island last week I did that too where I would like set up the shot and I looked and I was like why can't I see anything oh <laughs> and then I just like slowly took it off and tried to hide it <laughs> like yep it's like you either lose them <laughs> yep or you leave them on and forget mm-hmm. there's no in between <laughs> There's no in between. No, there's not. And then Riley, she sends me this message later when she sends me the photo. She's like, sorry, totally forgot to uh, take my I, my ISO back down. So they were all shot at 3200, which luckily they still turned out perfectly fine. I denoised a couple of them. But 
And she is an accomplished, well-versed photographer, and she made those mistakes. I've made a million mistakes. You've made a million mistakes. It's like, mm-hmm. it's something that just comes along with the territory. It is. Um, have you ever had one of those moments that the mistake cost you? Yeah. Um, actually, I was out at, oh my goodness, what is this place called? It's up in southern Utah, kind of by Eureka, but there's this like old mine that's against the mountain and it's really pretty graffitied. It looks really like cool and abandoned up there. And there was one day I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go. And if I get caught, I get caught. And I went out there and I shot everything because the night before I had been doing Milky Way shots. I think I shot it all at 6,400. Didn't look at any of the pictures while I was out there. Got back to my car and everything was blown out. And the cops showed up when we were when I was back at the car. So I couldn't go back out there. Oh, yeah. And yeah, every single shot. Like, I think I tried to save one and it just looks absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I think I posted it too. Oh, I really? Like, I don't care. Like, I'm taking this photo. <laughs> <laughs> but it does not look good at all. And it's just so overexposed, so white. And all you can see is like the colorful graffiti. Oh, man. Yeah. I think it's Silverton Mine or something like that. I don't remember what it's called, but it's a really uh, cool place. Where Eureka is up on the high side of the hill. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes, that is the Silverton, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I have a few shots from there. And they have that graded, um, like, shaft. No. That's, okay, then it's Yeah, not. no, that's not it. It's like big circles. I'm going to have to remember. Oh, I know what you're talking about. That one was, like, in the news not too yeah, long ago about stay the hell out of yep. there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly where you're talking about as you're leaving that old Sinclair station area yes. and you're headed um, so west. west. Yeah. Or no, east. It would be east. Yes. Because you come across and down through that kind of goalie area. Mm-hmm. And then as you rise up, they're sitting there on the mountain. Yes. Side. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That one is like, they ain't, if you get caught in there, they, they're not going to be forgiving at all. Yep. Because and that BWR is like, stay the hell yep. out of here. <laughs> Those were the only photos that I ever got of that place. And I can never go back now because they watch that place so strictly. Oh, like a hawk now. Yeah. And yeah, I'll never get those photos again. <laughs> My camera, for some stupid reason, Sony, and maybe they did a firmware update and I need to update my camera, but I have uh, been in a situation where I got all these shots and then guess what? I didn't have a memory card in the Uh, camera. We were talking about that. Sony doesn't notify you that there's no memory card in the camera. Yeah, not in mine. It pisses me off. Gosh, I don't know what I would do because I forget mine a lot. And so I'll get out there and at least like I'll get ready and then it'll be like no card and camera. And then I'll have to dig through my bag and see if I've got anything. And half the time I do, half the time I don't. And it's just like, well, tuck tail and go home because that's it. And you have a ton of memory cards you're telling me. I do. Because you have a, is it a phobia or a fear of losing all your... Yeah, I've, I've had an external hard drive and I had pictures on it from when I went to Japan and I came back, uploaded everything, cleaned out my computer and my memory or my uh, hard drive. It Bail. died. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And then I took it, like, I tried, you know, all the shops or whatever. Nobody could save it. So I lost every single picture I got in Japan. That's terrifying. I had the same thing happen. So I have my photos on two different computers, 
but I, they're not backed up. So some photos are on one computer, some photos are on the other computer. And then I have an external hard drive. So I have them in two areas. Mm -hmm. And I just recently started doing this because of your story. But I also lost a ton of my original photos that now only exist. Like that's why I don't, I probably will never delete my Instagram or my Facebook. I mean, I guess I could get them off my Facebook, just download them. Mm -hmm. But there are some that are only on my Instagram because the computer I had took a shit yep. and I can never get them back. So they're just in the Instagram world. And it pisses me off so bad because I would love to print some of those out just to have. Like, they're not good, but it's but like... it's your memory. Yeah, going back to that, remembering where you came mm -hmm. from. And that's so important because some of us get kind of too into your head of like, oh, I am a great photographer and no one else is on my level, which if you think that way, you're utterly insane because mm -hmm. all you have to do is go through a Vero or an Instagram feed and realize how shitty of a photographer it's you It's so are. true. <laughs> and then you just get imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah, right? Like, oh, I, oh, <laughs> I'm not this person that I think I am. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. Um, do you have a fear that photography is on a downward spiral? I, I do and I don't. I, I think that the digital aspect of it um, kind of changed photography. And it's it's not a bad thing, but I fear with like a lot of the, the composited images or a lot of Photoshop, it could be like a dying art because people can just, you know, take stuff that's already been done and change it, manipulate it. Um, but I don't know. I think that there's always going to be people like us that, you know, have the wanderlust and the, you know, the need for adventure that'll go out. And I don't, I don't see that changing too much, but I do think that you're going to have to get more creative down my, the road. My fear is that not, I think I will always love photography and want to do it in the way we do it. My biggest fear is one that you brought up the digital compositions that people are making, which are amazing in their own right. But, you know, a lot of them aren't real. And there's something about a real photograph that just is much more pleasing to me. Mm -hmm. And I, I do some Photoshop as well. Yes, Riley and Caroline, I replace <laughs> skies. They, they are always very disappointed in me when I replace a sky. <laughs> But that's about as far as I go with the Photoshop element. I don't really try and add anything and take anything out major. Or like I'll take out like distracting subjects. Like if it's someone's in the background of the mm -hmm. landscape I got, but I don't go crazy. But what I fear is one, there was and still is right now that trend for that AI portrait yeah. stuff. Yeah, I've seen that. People are so into becoming who they aren't that I think portrait photography is really going to suffer here soon in a way that people can now just take some selfies with their phone and then upload it into this AI system and then voila, I have something I love that I can use as my profile picture or whatever. I mean, I think there's still going to be the need for family photography and stuff like that, but like single portraits you're now competing with an AI system, which on the flip side is 
getting a lot of backlash from artists because I guess they like stole a bunch of artwork to make this work. I didn't know that. Like they took people's styles and stole them and programmed them into the AI. I guess I don't know totally how it worked, but I was reading an article about it. I was like, I knew there was something fishy (laughs) about this. And then with landscapes, obviously you see these amazing composites and things Mm -hmm. that are not the original picture. The thing that, those aside, the thing that really scares me is cell phones. With, yeah, photography. Yeah, because cell phones are becoming so advanced that almost anyone can quote unquote become a photographer with Mm -hmm. the thing they're holding in their hand. And some of the cell phone cameras, for instance, on the new iPhones or Sony has a new Brivia phone that is out that has an amazing onboard camera. Almost any cell phone company out there has amazing cameras on their phones. Yep. That I fear the day that the camera that we hold in our hand, our tool, becomes obsolete and companies no longer make them. I fear that like like books. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the one thing that scares me because I'm such a geared snob anyways. I'm like, dude, I love camera bodies and lenses and different things that, and I mean, you talk with some of these people and the thing they don't understand about um, photography is like, yeah, you can get these compositions and shots with cell phone technology now. You can't really blow those up though. No. And get prints. But then again, not a lot of people are doing prints anymore. The minimalist lifestyle is kind of taken over and people don't want things on their walls like me. <laughs> like I look like a cluster type person because every wall in my house has a print <laughs> on it. <laughs> no, your house, it looks really cool. I love the art. And I think that creative people will always, you know, kind of want something. But I do I do understand what you're saying with the cell phones. And, like, even now there's cell phones out there that can actually take Milky Way shots, which I did not know until recently. Really? Yeah. And I think iPhone can do it. That's crazy. So people are buying, like, these mini tripods for their phones and then just setting up the shot. And you can manipulate the ISO on there. And it's insane. But I don't know. There's not really anything like a camera, like a real camera, you know, I yeah. just, I think there will always be a call for it. At least that's my hope. <laughs> I hope so. And I, I hope you're right. I hope that at least some companies stay around with making them because I know as I was uh, reading an article the other day, more and more camera manufacturers are either stopping all production of their cameras and there's only a few select few left like Canon, Nikon, Sony, I think I want to say Pentex dropped out of the game and they're not doing cameras anymore. That's sad. And but yeah, it's like, oh, God, is it going to get to the stage to where all companies stop making these and it's only the cell phone that does it? I, I don't see that in our near future, but maybe when we're like 60, 70 year old people and we're driving around in our vehicles with our big cameras and all the kids of the days are like, look at those ghetto guys. <laughs> They're still holding on to their youth and their cameras. <laughs> and it's 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 something that I don't want to see happen, but I, I do have that slight fear in the back of my mind. And the, also the other thing that just pisses me off is everyone's a photographer nowadays, mm-hmm. that it's like so oversaturated. It is. That it's hard to 
and I don't ever want to like, I'm not someone who wants to be this big time photographer and get all this uh, recognition. But if, if even trying to get your photos looked at, you're competing with everyone that has a cell phone, everyone that has a camera. So it's really difficult. And then for anyone who ever gets hired to do like another reason I stopped doing weddings was you're competing with everyone at the venue that has a cell phone Mm -hmm. and they're all photographers as well. And even if you tell them, hey, they paid me $2,000 to come do these photos. They still want their shot. Yep. It's like, no, you guys can get your shots later. Leave the aisle away for me with the bride walking down. That way I can get them a really nice photo to hang on their wall without you in it. Exactly. Weddings, I don't think I could do it. It's stressful. It's super stressful. Done four or five of them. And then I was finally like, no more. Mm -hmm. I don't even like doing family photos anymore. I don't like doing photo work, period. I don't do it anymore. I was doing it quite a bit there a couple of years ago. And now I'm just like, no. It kind of takes the passion out of it. It does. A lot of people always ask me, they're like, why don't you're so good, Marcus? Why don't you make this a business? I'm like, because this is my passion. Mm Mm-hmm. When you start making money, the only way I like making money with photography is selling prints. Yeah. I do not like doing family photos, portraits, any of that crap. In fact, when people ask me, most of the time I say I'll do it for free because I don't want to argue with you when I don't get what you want. That's smart, actually. And because, God, I had one. I stopped doing weddings because I got annoyed with those. And like I said, I was never a wedding photographer. I didn't have a business doing it, but I did. A handful of them. And the last one I did, I swear the uh, the mother of the bride, whatever you call it, she was bridezilla or whatever. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, dude, it was just a nightmare. Because the agreement turned into more than I had agreed to, but I wasn't going to be... You, you don't want to fight with the mom on the day of the big event. Yeah. So I just dealt with it and kind of let myself get railroaded. And then I did a family session not too long ago. And I was like, that's my last family session because they paid me and they couldn't control their kids. And their Mm -hmm. kids were like 20 to 25 year olds. Oh, wow. Who could not be serious for a photo. They were doing stupid shit the whole time. And I got so annoyed. And so I got all these photos. I get home and I'm editing them and I'm like, Wow, every photo they're either making these stupid faces or they're doing something dumb. And I had told them multiple times, you guys, your mom, your mom, your dad are paying for these. Right. And then when I finally got a few of the photos that were looked decent off to the client, she sends me a message, that's it? I was like, well, you got seven edited photos. We did way more than that. Yeah, okay, you want to see all the shit that I had to go through go through see you want this one no you want that one no well it's in your job to kind of control the scene Mm, i was like no it's my job to set the scene you control your kids that are adults screw you so i i've i've just totally walked away and i was doing a lot of family sessions not a whole lot of weddings but i was doing a lot of family sessions and i was doing uh a lot of um, real estate photography too, which is actually really good, but no one wants it anymore because every real estate agent does it with their cell phone Mm -hmm. nowadays. But that made me some pretty 
<clears throat> okay money. But I walked away from all of like making money with photography because it was like killing my creativity. Because yeah. like, you go do these photos for these people to make money and then you don't want to go shoot when you have the free time. Yeah, I could see that. Or like you get the slap in the face reactions where they're like, oh, this is this is it. And then it kind of like it kind of eats away at you and you're like, OK, well, maybe I'm not that great. And then you just start doubting yourself and then you just kind of, you know, you don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. It just loses the fun. But there's been a couple times where I've done some um, like pictures of couples and stuff like that. I went out to the Great Salt Lake, I think a couple months ago, and I did some engagement photos. And it was just because I knew these people and, you know, they, they work with me. They're really great people. But like I don't charge anyone. And it's it's a lot of that reason too. I'm like, you know, I'm not that great. Like I'll I'll really like downsell myself. Yeah. Be like I'm terrible at this, just so you know. Like portraits is not my niche. I, I don't do them. Um, you know, couples photo people, anything. And I'm like, the bar is really low. We're gonna start <laughs> here. <laughs> and then I'll like let them. They're like, oh my God, these are so great. I was just like, no, but you're welcome to have them all. <laughs> well, I want to see these now. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely share them with you. They, you. You suffer from the same thing I suffer from and a lot of photographers that are the problem that we do have is humble photographers that I just, I love humble photographers. We also need a confidence boost every once in a while. Because it's true. <laughs> I I will not do free portrait sessions anymore. It's not happening because that is one aspect of photography that I'm like, I'm okay in this and I'm not doing any of them for free. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't do them anymore. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But when I actually, I sometimes, I've paid people in the past when they come do like the horror stuff because they're allowing me to splash blood on them and everything. Be my model and put up with it. (laughs) Yeah. But like couples photos and stuff like that. Um, I don't, I, I do them for free for people. I know. Right. Like, like you said, but I, I don't do like any of that like oh do you think you could just do these for free like no mm-hmm. i don't know you you're not getting free photos out of me you you're don't realize for my time yeah and i think a lot of people don't realize like it was not too long ago someone asked me how much for a family photo set and i told him i don't do them anymore and she like pressured me and then i told her and then she was like that seems kind of steep i was like but she actually then, after I explained to her, she's like, oh, okay, I get it. I'm like, it's not steep. Trust me, I'm only charging you 200 bucks. That's not a whole lot, okay? That's my travel time, my gas, the time to take the photos, and then to come back and edit them. I'm almost making minimum wage after everything's said and done. Yeah, that's And true. plus, you have all my gear that I've invested money into. Um, but yeah, that's why I don't do any of that stuff anymore. It's just photography is for me and mm-hmm. me alone and the people who appreciate it can buy my prints have you ever sold prints before i actually haven't I, you need to i i want to like a, i really want to do like a farmer's market the problem with that is fear mostly but like you're also putting out the money to you know print off your stuff if you don't sell it you're stuck with it i mean it's your stuff but you know you you paid all this money out to print these things and then 
you just got to take it home and pack it up and be like, okay, well, I guess this will great in the kitchen. <laughs> but it's, it's like a big fear of mine to not sell anything. And I think I kind of get in my own way. I think you do. Cause I think you would sell stuff. Um, and I'm not trying to like inflate your bubble or be like, you're so great. Try it, try it, try it. But what I want to tell you is look at what we've seen at the uh, yeah. <laughs> at, at, a, at, a, at a venue. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and what they were charging. And I do I hate to be the critical, critiquious, nitpicking asshole. And I'm not that at all, but there were some photos for sale that we went and seen, and I was awestruck by the amount they wanted for it. And like, I was like, this is some rich asshole with a camera <laughs> that took this photo and didn't have their focus point at the right area and just knows someone to get their photo in here. And they're trying to charge $500 for this. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You, your prints would sell. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And um, I want to do that too. Cause I've done shows. Um, have you sold a lot of yours? Uh, I sold here and there, like when I would do before COVID, I never did a farmer's market or anything like that because I was super into, um, the horror photography stuff. Right. So I would do Halloween and summer, Oh, that's right. that festival in Magna. I did, um, this Halloween show at the Southtown Expo Center. Um, so I've, I've done things there and the best compliment I ever got was meant to be an insult. And I loved it so much because I, I pride myself on my horror photography. I think I do a really good job in it. I'm yeah. not trying to sound like a total, you know, douche, like, Ooh, I'm the best. But no, you're not, not even like, that way. But someone told me, why would I spend $30 on a print? Because I don't sell my prints for a whole shit ton of money. Right. And this was like 11 by 17. They cost me like 12 bucks to print. I'm making a little over 50% profit, but then I'm sitting there all day. Yeah. Why would I spend $30 on a print that you just stole from the internet on a screenshot of the movie? What? And I was like... No, that's not what this is. And yes, it is. I can tell. Like, oh my god. Thank you so much. You don't I don't even want you to buy this now, but that means a lot to me. <laughs> if you thought mine was a knockoff, I appreciate that. <laughs> so great. Uh, but that I've, is actually a really great compliment. I've had my work stolen too. What? At the at one of your events? No offline oh people just used your image i've had um a company that was selling halloween 4 mm -hmm. like in a reprint for bootleg version still my artwork and uses their cover oh wow so not only are they ripping off like the people who own the movie rights but they're ripping me off by using my cover art i found that one on ebay i had a guy still some of my Halloween artwork and put it into a Michael Myers page I was in on Facebook. And you I were in the page. I was in the page. He didn't know oh I was in the page because the page had like, I now it's got like 
100,000 members in it or so. But he posted these in there and was like, this is my work. And I was like, I instantly went like livid. Mm -hmm. And I like direct messaged him and was like, what are you doing? It's like, what? I was like, that's my work. No, it's not. Maybe we have similar work, but it's not yours. It's mine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, motherfucker, do you know what metadata is? Because it's engraved in every one of my photos and it's very hard to get rid of if you don't know like computer programming and shit like that. Yep. Yeah. He's like, uh, 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 uh. I was like, do me a favor. Left click your fucking photo and go to info and see who it says the author is of the photo. Yeah. Me, asshole. It says the date I took it. The settings I took it on the camera. The camera The type. camera type. Yeah. Everything is in there, isn't it? This is just a mistake. Like, fuck you. Oh like, I God. lost it. Did he take it down? Uh, yes. And then he went in the group and said that I threatened to murder him. Oh, Which wow. was totally false. And then I posted in the group. I'm like, how stupid are you, sir? Because now... I have screenshotted all of our conversations and I'm putting these on there. Like yep. not once did I say I was going to kill you. So wait, and he kept you in the group after that. Like he didn't even. He like... was just a member of the group. Like, I... Oh my God. Eventually so many people kind of jumped on my side in this that I think he just deleted his own profile and disappeared, which good riddance. Cause yes. I hate thieves. Yes. And then a uh, local company uh, stole some of my work. Did you go after them? No, because I was really, um, I was, I had given them permission to use it in a former fashion. And then they took that permission and went above and beyond with it. Gotcha. And I was like, I'm not going to mention what company it was. I'll mention later. It was a local haunted house venue, though. Ah, okay. And I will never go to their haunted house. But it was also kind of nice to see my artwork as a billboard on I-15. Was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. But you didn't, did you get paid for that? No. Uh, and that's what really upset me yeah. because it was communicated in a fashion of we're just going to use it for this. And I was like, oh, that's fine. And then. Once they got the permission. Once they got the permission for me for this, it went from this to this to this. Mm -hmm. And then they did still another one of my photos that they used like as a meme, which got them really popular. And I was like, you didn't even credit me for that, you dicks. I'll mention the company later. I don't, I'm not big into starting drama or anything, but those fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be, I'd be like blowing them up. Um, but then uh, enough about the stolen stuff. I've actually had uh, like Salt Lake County's used my images before. Have they? Yeah. Uh, Lacey is on Magna Main. She's on the banners. What? I So on Magna really? Main, you go down the streets and uh, they like hung all these banners, like promoting local business and stuff. And she's like the banner girl. That's great. It was so weird. Salt Lake County sent me this message and they wanted to use my photo. I was like, that photo? Fuck, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. And then I, I just recently got published in a school bus news magazine thing. Very nice. <laughs> What is, it, what is it, one of your bus pictures? A couple of them. A couple of them? Yeah, that they, like, it was actually my director who was like, hey, they have this, they want to use these photos, and it's like, go for it, whatever. That's cool, though. At least you're, like, getting seen and, you know, more views than just on Instagram and 
it's it's just fun. Yeah. It's fun to see your work get published and it's fun to see people purchase your work. And I think you yourself will, if you do a farmer's market, if you do a farmer's market, I'll do a farmer's market. You can just do it together. <laughs> we'll like split the booth. Right? Yes. Right down the middle. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people are just harsh on their own work. Mm -hmm. And then there is that fear, is people, are people gonna hate it or are they gonna like it? Mm -hmm. But I think if you did, I would say pick like six of your favorite images and blow them up to like that size, like a 11 by 18 mm -hmm. or a 12 by 18 or 11 by 17, whatever that is. And just like look at it yourself and say, is this something that looks good at this size? And if you like it, make like 10 of them. And start with like eight images. You're going to have to invest a little bit of money. Yeah. You'll sell. I promise you. I hope so. Your, your work's pretty good. It'll sell. I I see what sells in those Park City galleries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me too. Some of them you walk in, you're like, why? Right. What are you thinking? And then the others you see, you're like, I will never be that. I have totally had both of those things uh -huh. go through my head to where it's like, wow, your work's amazing. Very talented. Your work, you want $5,000 for that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I can go take that picture right now. <laughs> yeah, it's just the area they're in, like Park City and yeah. stuff like that. Hoity-toity. Definitely inflated prices. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because the people in that area have the money. Yes, they do. It's so true. Um, hey, I don't want to keep you any longer because it's late on a Monday, but I want to thank you very much for coming out here and talking photography to me. And letting me express myself in my photography, I almost feel like I was like getting interviewed by you. Oh, I, I loved it. It was awesome. <laughs> but um, sorry if I talked too much during this. I had fun, though. I had fun, too. So um, go ahead and drop your Instagram handle again for people so they can check out your work. It is Summer's Edge Photography. Definitely go check her out on Instagram. And she is on Vero as well. Is it the same over there? I think, I think it is. I think it is as well. Yeah. Um, one thing I can tell you as I'm trying to get people, more people to go to Vero. Because <laughs> I'm like. It's better. I hate Instagram. Mm -hmm. I hate Instagram's crop factor. I hate what Instagram has become. The algorithm. The algorithm, the influencers, the yeah. 5 million selfies, the, the ads. Ugh. And Vero has a chronological timeline, which I just love because I never miss anyone's work. You don't have to go to Vero if you don't want to. <laughs> but local photographers, photographers abroad, there are other sites out there besides Instagram. I still post Instagram every day, but look at look at other places. You do all three. You're very dedicated to like, you know, Instagram. I'm Facebook, Instagram, Vero, yeah. and DeviantArt, which. Do you have a deviant art? I don't. Don't bother. It's going to shit, <laughs> man. It's nothing but anime porn now. Oh, God. <laughs> Gotta love but it. But it, it used to be really good. Um, and then I think Flickr's kind of making a comeback. Oh, yeah. I forget about Flickr. But um, get out there on other platforms, people. And, you know, if you're just barely starting in photography, just keep at it. Um, if you are a accomplished photographer out there, let us know what you think of the episode and what your favorite thing is to shoot. Anyways, we'll catch you all later. Thank you very much, Summer, for joining us on this episode. Bye-bye.